0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of our Quest Diagnostics Topics and Drug Testing Podcast Series. My name is Frank Samaro. I'm the Director of Clinical Marketing for the Drug Monitoring Franchise here at Quest Diagnostics. I'm really excited about today's episode. It's titled Kratom, Identifying a Drug of Concern. We have with us as our presenters today, Quest Diagnostics Senior Medical Advisor, Dr. Jeff Gooden, and Dr. Jack Kane, Director and Medical science liaison. Great to have you with us Dr. Gooden and Dr. Kane.
1: Hey, thanks for having us today. I'm again I'm Dr. Jack Kane, Director and Medical Science Liaison for Quest Drug Monitoring and Toxicology. Thanks so much Frank,
2: Jeff Gooden here, happy to be here.
0: We really look forward to learning more about Kratom. So doctors, without further delay, I'm going to turn the discussion back over to you.
1: Thanks, Frank. You know, Kratom, Kratom, or Kratom, uh, depending on where you come from, it's an interesting subject. And in so many ways, it's a substance that's flown under the radar from a laboratory perspective and even a medical perspective, and what America knows and how it's impacting public health and even just general patient care and the popularity that it's gaining over the years. And it's just intriguing to think about substances that have been used traditionally for so many years in other parts of the world are just now making their way west and, again, impacting our community. And so fortunately, we have Dr. Gooden here today, you know, a very experienced pain management practitioner who's probably heard a lot about these substances and how they might be impacting laboratory medicine and just general patient care.
2: Yeah, Jack, you know, being in the pain management world, I hear the drug Kratom mentioned all the time because you know, some of us think of it as a drug of abuse or misuse, but it's actually very similar in pharmacology and structure to our opioids. So I think there are those out there and there are big movements actually of patients who want to see Kratom more widely studied and maybe even one day approved as a drug. So as we go through the podcast, I want our listeners to remember that we're not just talking about a, an illicit street drug of misuse. This is an alkaloid, a chemical, very similar to one that we use, similar to opioids, that has pharmacological properties. I mean, you know, second messenger systems and G-protein couple receptor signaling. So... Keep in mind this could actually be a medicine of the future so jack tell us a little bit about what is kratom from a pharmacological standpoint
1: it's funny talking about this substances sometimes you know because i mentioned the word kratom and people ask me is that that substance that people were using in maybe ohio and um it caused their skin to melt and i'm like no it's not that substance but it's kind of the look-alike sound-alike for street drugs that people mistake it for but kratom itself it's actually a, a four to 16 meter high tropical tree found in Southeast Asia. And it's used very heavily and it's been used traditionally in Thailand to improve work productivity, to make individuals feel better. I mean, traditionally it's been chewed. So the leaf itself is taken and individuals will just put it in their mouth and chew it. And what they get is a sublingual absorption of some of the active ingredients that promote its defects. I mean, it's widely sold as an herbal supplement for boosting mood energy and relieving pain among other effects as well. But it's concerning. The FDA has recognized it and the DEA has recognized it. Dr. Kudin, can you tell me what the FDA thinks about Kratom? Sure. You know, Jack, you mentioned that people could
2: find this substance on the internet or in head shops, or especially if they travel overseas in different forms, chewables and teas and others. But the FDA has warned the public that, look, we don't know enough about this drug. There have been cases of deaths reported with its use, certainly abuse, addiction, and dependence. So they put it on a list of concern, and they warn consumers not to use it. Now, it's not illegal in some states, but there is an FDA warning about the dangers associated with kratom. You know, I mentioned before that there's some medicinal use, and patients often go out and seek this chemical. Some people use it as Almost like an antidepressant, some use it as an analgesic. Many have even used it to get off of opioids, kind of as a bridge, as a weak opioid to help them with withdrawal mm-hmm. symptoms. Yep. So when the DEA tried to make this a Schedule One drug, remember the DEA schedules our drugs. So uh, Schedule One has no medicinal purposes. Schedule Two are drugs like opioids and cocaine, or most opioids anyway. So the DEA tried to make Kratom a Schedule One, and there was such a big public backlash that they did not make it a scheduled drug. It's just listed as a drug of concern.
1: You know, I would say that's positive news in terms of being able to do research on these substances and maybe hopefully down the road finding some medical utility for it and some pharmacotherapy effects that may actually prove to be beneficial for very many patients in the future. So, when we think about Kratom, It's not just kratom itself, kratom, kratom, or kratom itself, and the leaf itself that exerts its effects. From a laboratory perspective, we're wondering, what is that active ingredient or ingredients that helps generate those effects that are so desired, those effects that can lead to addiction and dependence down the road? And maybe even ultimately, as we've mentioned a few times, possible pain relief. What are those substances found within kratom? And what those are, are alkaloids. And so alkaloids are a huge group of naturally occurring organic compounds, which contain nitrogen atoms in their structures. Alkaloids are found everywhere. Heck, in 1804, uh, morphine was the first alkaloid ever isolated. Well, guess what? Kratom has over 40 alkaloids, but the most interesting alkaloids would be mitragynine, hydroxymitragynine, and various others, speciogenine. But the most abundant ones are mitragynine and hydroxymitragynine. And what we're concerned with specifically at Quest Diagnostics is mitragynine. It's the most abundant alkaloid in kratom, and guess what? It has an, a high affinity for the mu opioid receptor. Yeah, you, can you tell me about the mu opioid receptor? Yeah, sure.
2: I'll talk about that in just a second. But it's it's of interest. You know, this comes from a plant similar to the way THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, does, right? The active ingredient in marijuana, and we all know there's different species of. Of marijuana plants, right? Some are more sedating, others may have more analgesic benefits, so cannabinoids have become an area of, of great interest. Well, the same thing goes for mitragynine or kratom. You can get leaves with a white vein down the center that make you feel totally different than the leaves with the green vein down the center. So uh, there are different species of this, and I think that's really one of the dangers for somebody to just walk into a, you know, a head shop or a pharmacy that might sell these kratom products, and and you really don't know what you're getting. That's the benefit of having this studied, studied, and approved. But you're right, Jack. I mentioned earlier that the chemical structure is very similar to that of an opioid, which is one of the reasons we think there have been deaths associated, right? Because opioids, one of their chief dangers is respiratory depression. And especially when you combine this with any other CNS or respiratory depressants, think about benzodiazepines, alcohol, skeletal muscle relaxants, other illicit substances, uh, psychiatric medicine. So there is a mm-hmm. risk to drug combining that both you and I, I know have been talking about for years. And again, yep. we with with kratom, you can go into a store or look on the internet and buy something with 5 or 10 milligrams of extract, or you can get something with a couple hundred milligrams of extract. So again, this is really where some of the dangers come in. It's not that I would label kratom as a bad drug, but it's a drug and it needs to be studied the way all of our other drugs are.
1: Yeah, and I'm always thinking about why are patients or why are individuals using this substance? What is it about it? What we know, yet it has a high affinity for the mu-opioid receptor. Therefore, we know it has some opioid-like effects, but also, as I mentioned earlier, traditionally, it's been used for productivity. So I've heard it has this biphasic effect, right, Dr. Gooden? Yeah, so Jack, it's of interest. if you,
2: Everybody's heard the drug Percocet, right? And, and nobody knows where the name, or not too many know where the name came from, but it used to, at low doses, perk you up and give you some energy, right? Who would think about an opioid like that? And kratom <laughs> is very similar. At low doses, people say, "Hey, it's stimulating. I can get all my work done. I'm very productive." At higher doses, that's really where the opioid-like, you know, central nervous system depressant effects come in.
1: And we always think about misuse of substances, especially from a drug monitoring perspective at Quest Diagnostics. Why do patients misuse certain substances? And it's always down to two reasons, the most fundamental reasons: One's to self-medicate maybe from opioid withdrawal. So it's been shown that, and, and there's various case reports that demonstrate that Kratom might help with opioid withdrawals. Um, patients who have severe substance use disorder, maybe a history of abusing substances such as heroin or misusing Percocet, all of a sudden they can't get this substance and therefore they've been, patients have claimed that getting access to bulk amounts of Kratom and consuming it actually makes them feel better. But then there's the other side, And that's chasing those feel-good effects. So we're not self-medicating anymore. We're just chasing euphoria. And again, it's a mu opioid receptor agonist, meaning that it just has the inherent abuse liability that was acknowledged by the FDA. And it's been known to be used at music festivals and other recreational settings. But as you mentioned, the content of these alkaloids, the content, the percentage of mitragenine, it varies between products. And not to mention, let's face it, Uh, Nobody's doing strict quality control measures uh, in Southeast Asia. Nobody's really able to ensure just the quality of these products to the extent that you would want to to promote or to assume that this product is safe. And so do patients really know what they're getting? No. And it's really hard to gauge the effect of a given dose, especially if a patient's also opioid tolerant and or opioid naive. Do you think there's a future for legitimate medical use?
2: Well, Jack, you know, being a scientist and an academician, I I would support the further study of this, but let's just reiterate what our, you know, our FDA has said. As of now, there's no strong scientific evidence that kratom is safe or effective for treating withdrawal from opioids or cravings caused by opioids. And we know that these people are going to either take the capsule or use the extract or brew some tea. But believe it or not, when you buy these things, most of the packets say not for human consumption. And that has to tell you something as a consumer. If something says not for human consumption, it's probably not safe for you to use. So back to your point, I certainly would support the study of kratom because it is an interesting alkaloid. Perhaps it could be formulated at lower doses as uh, an energy or a mood booster, the way that many people use it. And perhaps it could be formulated at higher doses as an analgesic or as a drug to prevent opioid withdrawal. But let's face it, it needs to be studied in certain doses and it needs to be manufactured in those doses with all of the controls that go along with the pharmaceutical industry and not at your local head shop with a skull and crossbones on the packet.
1: (laughs) Completely agree. And in fact, you actually told me about a study the other day which demonstrated the toxicity of kratom. And it's not just because of kratom itself, but that there's actually a lot of impurity issues found in these clandestine products.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, the the poison control center tracks these things and think about for it to make it to the poison control center, it has to be a pretty serious adverse event. So so they've been monitoring this stuff. They noted between 2010 and 2015, just in a five-year period, the exposures that that they received calls on went up tenfold. Uh, When you look from 2010 to 2018, there were almost 2,500 kratom exposures. The median age was around 30 years old. Most were male. Unfortunately, 10% of them had a severe outcome, including 17 deaths. And when you hear that, I mean, it makes your eyes pop open wide. But even more astounding, three of them were single agent exposures, meaning three of those deaths were kratom alone. They couldn't find any other toxic substances. So you need to keep in mind that this drug has dangers associated with it. The fact that thousands of reports come into U.S. poison control centers should tell you something. And the other thing you mentioned, Jack, you're right. I told you the other day that it's not always just the drug. It's sometimes how it's made. There's been heavy metal toxicity reported. There's been salmonella contaminations reported with kratom. So if you're going to go into one of these clandestine or one of these uh, head shops, buyer beware that you don't really know what you're getting in your product.
1: Yeah, it's scary. And there's even documented cases of kratom causing acute liver injury. There's a saying, again, in toxicology, you hear me say it probably every other podcast, You know, the dose makes the poison. Well, so do contaminants and so do dangerous drug combinations. So we know there's more to it. And I'm always concerned if the general population really understands these risks and even the medical community. And so that's what we're here to do. And as a laboratory is provide that information and be able to identify these substances objectively. And it's interesting, you mentioned earlier, people combine substances. Oftentimes when we look at a drug test result, rarely do I find an individual substance. There's more than one substance that tells a story. So a popular combination, even acknowledged in Thailand, is a combination of an opioid with kratom. And that opioid is tramadol. And you know what they call it, they call it Krypton. So it's, it's very fascinating and patients are combining these substances, but guess what, tramadol has a toxic metabolite associated with it as well. So you combine that with Kratom and its own ability to cause acute liver injury and there you, there you have it, poison control center report and ER admission and more problems down the road. As you know, Kratom exposures in the US, they continue to increase. They represent a potential emerging public health threat and deaths have occurred, and as you mentioned, Dr. Gooden, even with single-agent exposures. So how can we objectively identify patients using Kratom products?
2: So Jack, I have to tell you, one of the challenges for us as clinicians is people don't just come in and say, hey doc, in addition to all the medicines you're giving me, I'm taking Kratom, or I'm using Kratom, right? So, and as you know, you know, being at Quest Diagnostics, Most doctors don't order Kratom as part of their universal testing or universal precautions for drug testing patients. So for me, it's been a challenge. Uh, You know, you have to be in an area where Kratom is kind of endemic and it's a popular drug of abuse. Otherwise, how else do you even know? So I started asking patients, have you ever used Kratom? And 99% of the time they're like, what's Kratom? (laughs) <laughs> but if somebody seems to know a lot about it, then I might throw it on my, on my drug testing panel. You know, prescription drug monitoring programs clearly don't pick it up. That has to do with what drugs we prescribe, and these things aren't prescribed. Maybe you might be a little bit more adept at telling us, how does Quest Diagnostics handle monitoring for metrogeny?
1: Yeah, it's a good point. Even when I travel the field a lot and I talk to various clinicians across the country, even just traveling through some of these states on the road, you see Kratom shops, or you see the big red blinking light Kratom sign, that might be an indication that, hey, you are in a region where Kratom has become popular. And so something another provider should continue, just understand the regional impact and the regional popularity. Do you need to test for Kratom or mitragynine more specifically on every single patient every single time? Probably not. But if you feel your region is a hot pocket using Quest Diagnostics, two-step drug testing approach. Uh, which is a screen followed by a definitive confirmation, might be appropriate. So there is a potential for low positivity rates. I've seen less than 5% positivity. But again, using data-driven drug testing and understanding your region might help you and providers weigh that the risk versus clinical benefits of testing for mitragynine and just understanding how it's impacting the patient population. So Jack,
2: is there any point-of-care testing for mitragynine that you know of?
1: No, not that I'm aware of. I know that we developed a screen. It's not a point-of-care test. It's done on immunoassay technology, though. And, of course, we follow it up with mass spec definitive testing to give that true positive result. But do I know today of a specific mitragenine point-of-care instant result test? Not currently. It doesn't mean there won't be one in the future, but uh, not today. You know, it brings up a great point for our listeners If you really
2: wanna know what your patient is taking, the only way is by sending that sample to the lab. We have some good point-of-care tests for things like cocaine and marijuana. If those are positive, those samples usually, in my experience, come back positive from the lab, but for synthetic drugs, for some prescription drugs that we don't yet have point-of-care tests for, and for substances like this, for mitragynine or kratom, you really need to send the sample to the lab, like Quest Diagnostics, and let them test it for each of these specific substances.
1: Exactly. Once I see my tragenine on a true positive result, a definitive analysis done on mass spec, I know there's a very, very high likelihood that the patient has consumed Kratom or a Kratom product and that that substance has passed through the patient's system. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Gudin, and sharing your perspectives on Kratom and also patient perspectives on You know, just how kratom is being misused, and then the risks associated with using kratom, and more specifically, mitragynine, the alkaloid found in kratom. So Jack, this was great today, and I think it's really going to be
2: a service to our listeners to understand the testing of mitragynine, or kratom, or kratom as it's been known uh, to be called. Because remember, we are still in the midst of a prescription and illicit drug misuse, and abuse crisis here in the United States. Quest Diagnostics is one of, obviously, the largest laboratories. They serve one in three adult Americans and half of the physicians and hospitals here in the United States. Not only that, Quest Diagnostics has the world's largest database of clinical lab results, and therefore we can mine data and offer you diagnostic insights to help you improve healthcare management. Remember, a properly implemented drug testing program is an important step to help protect your practice, protecting your patients, and in tackling drug misuse and abuse. By performing more than 10 million tests annually, Quest Diagnostics has the experience to help you implement a successful drug monitoring program, one that helps keep your community safe. Remember, we have a hotline available for those of you who need help with test ordering or result interpretation. That number is one 40 rx or one eight seven seven four zero seven nine eight six nine. 407 9869 Visit questdrugtesting.com to listen to other podcasts, or subscribe through your favorite podcast venue. On behalf of Dr. Jack Kane and I, this is Dr. Jeff Gooden.
0: Thank you for joining. So just to close out, I want to thank you all for joining us for today's discussion on Kratom. It was really interesting. I want to thank our experts Dr. Gooden and Dr. Kane for providing great information and insights as always. And just want to remind you to learn more, please visit questdrugmonitoring.com. There you'll find information on our drug monitoring test directory and all our drug monitoring offerings as well as educational resources and insights from our team of toxicology experts like Dr. Gooden and Kane. Remember, as Dr. Gooden mentioned, we have an Rx Talks line available to help you when you have questions around test ordering and results interpretation. And finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, please visit questdrugtesting.com or subscribe through your favorite podcast venue.